This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We are now finally talking about Paul's shipwreck in Acts 27. Finally. Only finally. Been three weeks leading up to it. So let's take a closer look. Well, I think, you know, on that note, I think it's important to note that the reason it has taken us so long to get here is because Luke is telling a story. Luke is telling a very real story about the life of Paul right now. A historical story. However, Luke is also writing a story of spiritual formation. Also true. Luke knows the power of storms and the way in which people have used the metaphor of the storm forever. Right? Homer's Odyssey is like predating this by almost 600 years. It's true. And its major issue is the storm on Homer's journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the storms of life has been a age old metaphor. Yeah. And so Luke is telling a story of the ways in which we should see ourselves interacting through storms and uncertainty and unknowns. Um, and that's why he highlights certain speeches, right? Paul has went multiple, or we've seen Paul go through two weeks on this ship, and we only got him he got to hear him say two things. You think because that's the only thing the dude said? Mm. No, it's because those are the things Luke chose to highlight when he told the story. Yeah, it's because this entire journey is about how to navigate life's storms. What, what truths Luke is trying to communicate to you about how to navigate and manage these storms. And now we finally arrive at the storm. And it's a biographical, like it's a historical retelling of the storm. You want to hear it? It's not that cool. But my man, Willie James Jennings, has given me some cool stuff and some cool thoughts that I want to talk to you about after we read this. Verse 39, 27, 39. In the morning, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned to run the ship ashore if they could. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. So what did you just hear? Um, they threw the anchors off. And, and what does that mean? means that they are just going wherever. They are at the mercies of the storm. Correct. We we in it. It's here to stay. We we in it to win it. It's going to do what it's going to do now. Mm-hmm. There's no turning back. Can't do nothing. We've seen them taking steps, preparing for this moment, offloading cargo, right? That's what you're doing. You're offloading cargo, and you're dropping anchors to try to stay put. Get out of the storm. You're trying to create less weight. We've seen them making moves toward this. And now here they go. Boom. We've cut them. We in it. Verse 40. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, they loosened the ropes that tied the steering oars, then hoisted the 
Hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the ship aground, the bow struck, and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the force of the waves. Seems like a very historical telling of how the ship crashed, mm-hmm. how it became a shipwreck. Um, now, before I get to the next verse, let me remind you of what kind of ship we're talking about. No. Mm. We're talking about a ship where we've been told throughout this story that there's a centurion, some soldiers, a pilot of the ship, and the owner of the ship. Sure. And some prisoners. Paul and some people traveling with Paul and some other prisoner people. Six categories of people. We've also been told that there are 276 people on this ship. Correct. We know it's made out of wood, has a sail, some oars, and anchors. It's not a highly, like, advanced ship. Yeah. Like, it's just the things that ships need. Um, what do you think, of those six categories of people that I gave you, so one of them is just... Two of them are just two people. Mm-hmm. The pilot, the owner, and I guess three, the centurion. Now, some categories we don't know are how many soldiers and how many prisoners. Mm. Thoughts? We got 276 people, three identifiable, plus uh, Paul and Luke. We got five out of 276. We got 271 people we hadn't identified. We got some soldiers and prisoners. Care to take any guesses on how, like, what the ratio is on that? No. My guess is there's probably five to ten soldiers and the rest prisoners and people traveling with prisoners. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm guessing it's shocking to me. Absolutely shocking to me. If there's less than 250 prisoners on this boat and people traveling with prisoners. 276 people. I'd be mind blown if there's less than 250 prisoners. Mm. Verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none might swim away and escape. They want to kill the prisoners. Yeah. They are in the middle of a shipwreck and their thought is to murder the prisoners. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Because they took an oath, maybe one, to the emperor. 
right? Um, and maybe some of that is following orders. Um, and maybe also some of it is like if they do escape, um, I and I get back to Rome and I have to tell them that they escaped, they're going to kill me. Um, it's the best thing for the soldiers to do to save their own hide because of the system of power. It's interesting. It's an age-old dilemma mm -hmm. because my main man, Willie James Jennings, so if you didn't know, um, I've spent the entire year storytelling through the book of Acts. And, you know, as I think you should, um, I've been reading alongside some commentators. Okay. Uh, six of them. Six commentaries I've been reading alongside. Willie's my favorite. Willie yeah. also happens to only be the only black voice in that. I've got Willie's voice. I've got a woman named Be Beverly Gaventa. I have a preacher named William Willimon. He's a professor at Duke. And then I got three more white dudes that are just like researchers. Um, Willie is my favorite. And I think it's because Willie is a proponent of liberation theology. And he incorporates it into his writings and his storytellings. Willie recounts a story. And I want to read this to you. I'm going to read for a minute. Disclaimer, heads up. Here you go. It's from Willie James Jennings' commentary on Acts. Commenting on this specific part of the shipwreck. This is from Willie James Jennings' commentary on Acts. Corpses cannot speak of their abuse or murder by their handlers, nor will they be threats to the empire and its commerce. The temptation to turn prisoners into corpses is an ancient temptation. This part of Luke's narrative echoes hauntingly throughout history to the tragic case of the slave ship Zong. At the close of the year 1781, a slave ship traveling from Africa to Black River in Jamaica was lost at sea and running low on water. The crew of that ship, hoping to survive by cutting their losses, threw overboard 132 Africans who were soon to be slaves. The horror of this story is not only the massacre of these Africans, but also an English judicial system that found the only crime to be in the fraudulent attempt to collect on the insurance. Paul, the prisoner's death sentence, reaches towards those Africans whose death sentence was carried out. Once again, a soldier stands between Paul and those who would kill him. The difference between Paul and the Africans thrown overboard was a simple command. No, you will not kill him or the others. Verse 43. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. They were ready to kill them specifically to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. 
which is what you were communicating out of your fear is that the system at power will always protect itself. Yep. But one centurion said no. A centurion who we have watched as a character evolve because we've seen him on the entire boat ride. We've seen Paul have a conversation with him weeks ago before they left harbor on this journey where Paul said no and he trusted the advice of commerce. He trusted the advice of commerce. We now see him through a journey in which Paul has been speaking and teaching and talking about spiritual experiences with God and convincing the centurion to the point that last episode, we saw them fixing to start unloading people in, like, we would call them dinghy boats. Like, you know, the little boats that you offload people in in case of emergency? Seen the movie Titanic? Right? Like those kind of boats. Last episode, they were going to bring those out and start trying to get people off the boat. And Paul said, if you do that, they will not be saved. I cannot promise that they will be saved because God has given me a vision that I will be fine. But if you get them off this boat, I can't promise that. The centurion did not load anybody on that boat and cut those boats away. We've seen that character evolve throughout this story Mm -hmm. to the point that now that character is choosing life over commerce. Mm. He's choosing to trust Paul. He's choosing God. We've We've seen them praying. He's no longer looking at the world as a world of commerce, that the world is bigger than just simply commerce and economics. Because that's what treating people as commodity is is viewing them as a conversation of economics Mm. and when you do that that's called objectification the difference between objectification and treating someone humanely is the relationship between you this is why willie says The centurion acts humanely again toward Paul and fulfills divine prophecy, and in so doing, enacts a different world where lives are not balanced against profit or security. Unfortunately, I think too often we view people through the lens of profit. That's how the world views you. You are a commodity that has money to be profited on. Unfortunately, there are countless stories of spiritual abuse when the church treated people the same way. Yep. I might argue that the church always does in the fact that their number one commodity is butts in seat for the purpose of money of which only 9% on average of white evangelical giving goes towards justice work. People are not profit. People cannot be profit. That is the lesson that this centurion has now learned, is that people are not profit. So he says, no, you will not kill these people. Here's what we will do. 
Verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoner so that none might swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest to follow, some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. I think if you were going to weave all of the stories together, right, because we've been building to this moment, what Luke is trying to communicate is that the centurion is a character who's evolved. And he's evolved to a place where he no longer views people as profit. Yeah. That's a great life lesson, friends. Can't view people as profit. People are humans. They are humans that have needs and wants and cares, and they have to be treated as such. But the other thing I think that Luke is trying to communicate to you is that after a storm, after a shipwreck, at the bottom of the storm, Right, Because once you get safely to land, at least the way the story is being told, once you get to land, you're back on your terms. Yep. Right, <clears throat> Land is safety. So the storm's about to be over, and we're about to start the healing journey. You just got to get to land. Right, That's number one goal, is get to land. I think what the centurion probably says, if I can be so bold as to use translation by Cullen Ware or paraphrase by Cullen Ware. Um, hey, friends, however you can do it, get to land. On a plank, on somebody's shoulders, if you can swim there, you can float there, whatever you got, just get there. Sometimes it do be like that. You know what? Whatever gets there. Uh, when you're in the middle of these storms, when life feels like you could die and life could end, whatever gets you to safety, you just got to get there. It can heal on the other side of the storm, but if you die in it, it's done. Just getting there. However you can get there. If you can swim there, great. You got to float on a plank, it's fine. Just gotta get to safety.